One Macon Way, Episode 4, Macon is Preservation. More than any other city, Macon is Preservation. With over 6,000 historic places and 14 designated historic districts on the National Historic Register, our numbers are only the beginning of the story. Historic Macon Foundation has been a national leader in incorporating historic preservation to leverage neighborhood revitalization for over 30 years. Utilizing a robust revolving fund, Historic Macon rehabilitates vacant historic properties or builds new construction on vacant lots, incorporating historic tax credits to maintain affordability in the neighborhood. Proceeds from the property sales go back into the revolving fund to finance more redevelopment projects. To date, Historic Macon has completed nearly 140 properties in several historic neighborhoods. So, when a mid-sized city shows enormous progress through its historic preservation efforts, it becomes a national example to other communities desiring the same effect. Recently, Historic Macon hosted the Revolving Fund Summit, a forum for community leaders across the country to learn about creative and entrepreneurial real estate development tools and witness firsthand how these tools leverage community revitalization. During the summit, its host Macon, Georgia, its neighborhoods, and its residents took center stage. In the true One Macon declaration of, can you collaborate with community? Does it concern schools, jobs, or sense of place? Is it strategic for the region? Can we move Macon forward? This is the One Macon way. I'm your host, Alex Morrison, Executive Director of the Macon-Bibb County Urban Development Authority and member of the One Macon Steering Committee. When we come back, we're listening to the power of collaboration when local leaders make historic preservation a priority. One Macon is an alliance of private, public, and nonprofit organizations committed to the growth and prosperity of Macon Bibb through a collaborative strategic plan. The implementation of this plan is organized around three crucial pillars jobs, schools, and place. Today, One Macon is made up of more than 40 organizations, and while they each have their own goals and objectives, they are all united in creating an energetic and opportune region where workforce thrives, sense of place is keen, and education excels opportunity. It's in this spirit of collaboration that we move forward the One Macon way. Visit onemacon.org to learn more about today's podcast. When we started Bells Hill, we set out five metrics of success. First, the neighborhood would maintain its economic age, race, and economic diversity. Second, the houses would be 75% or better code compliant. Third, the homeownership rate would increase to 50% or greater Fourth, we would move through the neighborhood street by street, house by house, block by block, all the way to Telfair Street. And fifth and finally, this initiative would be a national model that could be used across the country. So I think we can mark off the last one because in February, we hosted the Revolving Fund Summit that some of you may have heard about. We had over 100 people from across the country come to Macon to learn about the work that we're doing. These attendees were from 50 cities and 26 states. They were blown away by our work in Bells Hill, Newtown's work in downtown, the Urban Development Authority's creative approach to partnerships, and our strong relationships with the Land Bank Authority and countless other partners. And I gotta tell you, it's pretty unusual for a government entity like the UDA to then partner with a nonprofit arts alliance group to then tackle neighborhood revitalization. You just don't see that in every community. Welcome back. 
You're listening to The One Making Way. I'm your host, Alex Morrison, Executive Director of the Urban Development Authority, the visionary development body that moves ideas into transformational projects for downtown Macon. Today, we're talking to historic preservation leaders and enthusiasts about the sense of place created through revitalizing our oldest, most storied physical assets. In this episode, you'll hear from Ethiel Garlington, Executive Director of the Historic Macon Foundation, Jerry Marion McCord, Executive Director of the Ruth Hartley Mosley Center, Brian Nichols, a developer and business owner, and Heather Moore, owner of a historic home in Intown Macon. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the One Making Way. Uh, today, we're talking to people who are very interested and, and involved in the preservation world of Macon. Uh, as we know, historic preservation is something that's vital to almost everything we do here in Macon. And without the people around the table today uh, having this conversation, uh, I don't know that that would be the case. Uh, so, uh, without any further lead time, uh, let's introduce our, our guest today, starting with Mr. Brian Nichols. Well, I'm Brian Nichols, and uh, I'm a downtown developer and business owner. Um, years ago, I saw interest in uh, people wanting to revitalize downtown and thought it would be a good opportunity to come down and kind of um, see what I could do to help. Uh, we already owned a building down here for about 24 years, so uh, I started looking at it first to see what I could do, and that's when I began to develop in downtown. Hey, good afternoon. My name is Ethiel Garlington. I'm the executive director of Historic Macon Foundation. And I moved to Macon four years ago specifically because of the historic buildings and the preservation work that was happening in Macon. And that's really what drew me here. And it's just been an incredible ride ever since then. And our organization has obviously worked a lot in the preservation arena. And we're continuing to try to do better and learn more about how we can engage more people across the community. Hi, I'm Heather Moore, and about seven years ago, my husband and I bought a home in in town Macon. We had the privilege of being able to watch that home be restored over about a one-year period, and through that process, really fell in love with what it meant to restore a home to its former glory and have a front-row seat to revitalization of some of these neighborhoods. So we got indoctrinated at that point to the preservation community here. Hi, I'm Jerry Marion McCord, and I'm the executive director of the Ruth Hartley Mosley Memorial Women's Center. And I kind of got really interested in preserving historic Macon through my association with the Ruth Hartley Mosley Center. Uh, when I start digging into her history and seeing what her legacy is and how she was really wanted to preserve Macon history through her legacy, I just got enthralled with it, and now I'm part of the Historic Macon Foundation Board, and that's really drawn me more interested in making sure, because I feel when we do that, we it's our way of preserving our heritage and our legacy in a community. Absolutely, and full disclosure, uh, I'm also a member of Historic Macon's Board and a past chair of the organization, so if if nothing else, the fact that you have people who are engaged in uh, women's issue and preservation, individual homeowners, developers, an entire uh, nation-leading organization around this one issue and from the urban development side, uh, that it's such a keen interest that that the motto of making is preservation is really shown throughout this. And the, the fact that so many different folks have an interest in this one topic is really telling. But I think what we really need to dive into is why 
in Macon in particular is preservation so important? Obviously, it's critical to the work of our organization um, in terms of preserving buildings and sharing our history in the community. But I think a lot of times preservation as a topic gets kind of lost and a lot of people in the community admittedly don't know what we do as an organization. And so I think it's important for Macon to remind our neighbors and our friends that that everything that we see in downtown Macon and in our historic districts and the the street grids, the landscapes, everything about this community is historic preservation. And it's really what sets us apart from a lot of other communities. It gives us that unique competitive edge. And so for Macon as a community, I think, again, preservation is the heart and the soul of this community. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, historic preservation is, is so key to who we are. I mean, when you look at Macon and the history of Macon and the buildings and just how beautiful the architecture is, um, it was something that I felt like that we needed to keep. Uh, it's it's one thing when you drive around town, and you see a new strip mall, you see a new you know a new building going up somewhere. But uh, when you see the the true history of Macon through, by driving around in the historic neighborhoods and in downtown, it's just it's incredible to see. But so many of the buildings were just uh, in disarray and um, were not being utilized like they should be. So. I uh, felt it was real important not just to save the historic structures and the history of the structure, but also to save the memories of the structures and what went on there. I mean, to me, the history of Macon is not just the brick and mortar that's attached to the building. It's what happened in those buildings over all of these years. So uh, for me to have, have, have really gotten into this, and as you're doing a building and you start finding out the true history of that building, I mean, it's just so fascinating that you could spend day after day after day just studying the history of building after building, uh, and it's a truly incredible thing to, to, to learn about. Right, and you have a specific example of building that you purchased somewhat sight unseen ended up being a treasure trove of Macon's music history, right? Yes, that was, uh, that was a real treat. You know, it's, it's the Capricorn offices um, on D.T. Walton Senior Way, and of course everybody knows the history of Capricorn uh, because that's a huge part of the history of Macon, um, but even, even in finding the stuff that was left in the building, uh, which was really crazy to me, but the, the, the building had collapsed in so many ways that they had not been able to get to the second floor. Uh, so when we finally were able to save the building and get up there and, and found history uh, with pictures and documentation of all the bands and the different things, it was really a, a treat even to dive into that. And I mean, I spent a good month just almost every day going through paperwork and learning more and more about the history of the bands, which was really uh, a treat. But it's the same kind of thing. I mean, when you, when you walk into that building, you can sense the history that was in that building and and that's even before it became Capricorn I mean when you start uh, pulling things out and you see the tile from when it was the uh, poultry and chicken place and <laughs> then you hear the stories of, of, of Otis Redding and them having to sweep the chicken heads out to turn it into where his office was in the fan club and you know these are things that people drive by every day and they don't know about uh, and so to me uh, saving those buildings and saving that history is very important to who we are as uh, a city. Right and that's something that the Ruth Hartley Mosley Center does on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So Jerry why don't you tell us more about that specifically. Exactly and when you said that and what I wrote here too is like to me the important thing is not only the building itself but the occupants and when I see and hear about what Mrs. Mosley did, and I'm going to have to be very specific about her. And I use her story to 
inspire and motivate our youth. I hope I get an opportunity to talk to quite a few youth and to know what this woman did over 100 years ago. And we still see the remnants of her legacy today. That's unbelievable to me for a black woman in Macon, Georgia. And that's why I think it's so important for people to realize what we have here in Macon. And I think a lot of people don't really recognize or really understand the history in this city. And I've, you know, like I say, I've started digging more and more and I see pictures and things over 100 years old that are unbelievable. This is a woman that owned 100 properties in Macon, Georgia. And who's That's heard incredible. of that? Incredible, incredible. And I hope a lot of people hear this so they can understand what we have in Macon, Georgia, in the Ruth Hartley Memorial Women's Center. I, I talk to people and I say, okay, how many of you plan to, uh, how many homeowners I have here? How many of you plan to leave your home to the city of Macon? Nobody, including me, because that's just not in my vision to do, but this is a woman that did, and she said she did that because she wanted to give back to the community that gave to her. What else can I say? And there's a story that was written in the Telegraph, I think in 94, you know, the Georgia Women of Achievement was started in 92. Mrs. Mosley was honored in 94. To me, that speaks volumes of what she did for this community. And, and she had this saying that, you know, you are as good as anybody else. Never let the fact that you don't have anything keep you from achieving. And this is a woman that started with almost nothing and left such a strong legacy in the city of Macon, Georgia. Come and on, people, help us. That's <laughs> crazy. And, and these stories, um, <laughs> not just the, the office buildings that you find or the historic homes that connect people to place it's mm -hmm. that it's such a vital part of the economic story here and mm -hmm. and for future generations to enjoy and mm -hmm. you know heather you typify that <laughs> that you're you're here because you found a perfect historic home um, that you wanted to make the first home you purchased right right exactly um, and one thing i really appreciate about being a resident in a historic neighborhood is that you have an opportunity to be part of this legacy that the story isn't over and there are many times my husband and i have had conversations about you know how many other people did the same things we're doing now in this house or on this street a lot of what we experience today is not unique. They, they had work-life balance issues in 1890. Somebody else started families on this street or in these homes. And I think it's really special to think about being a part of something bigger than yourself and not being for Macon. That's given us a real sense of place and belonging. So much of this is, goes back to the fact that economic development starts with people and and the fact that preservation is attracting folks like the moors to stay here um is is telling and and it really gets to the heart of not just our city but individuals lives so these historic buildings that that make up our city which are the envy of cities around so much of our history is in our built environment so everybody, I want you to think about this. What's your, your favorite historic building and, and why it's so important to your life? And it might be easy for some of you, uh, but it might think a little more abstract here. What, what's, and think about the economic reality of it. I'll field that one first, and this is sort of a simple answer to be honest, but it's, it's our historic home. Um, in the in-town historic district, 
my wife and I met in grad school for historic preservation. Obviously, we always wanted to own a historic house, but after owning three houses over our, our marriage, we haven't really owned a really neat antebellum historic house. And it wasn't until we moved to Macon that that was a reality and a possibility. So the house that we just bought and rehabbed on Appleton Avenue in town is just incredible. And I never thought I would live in a house like that. So for me right now, in my current state, that's my favorite historic building in Macon. I'd have to say that, and this is going to sound a little strange, but every one of them I do is my favorite um, and it's because the one that I'm working on at the time the like the one we just did uh, on Oglethorpe Street that was in you know such shambles and falling down and you know it's it, it sits in such a great spot and a great area but yet people called it the haunted house and you know the different things to see something like that uh, brought back uh, to life and then see people moving in who are so excited about the opportunity to be able to live there. Um, that's my favorite project at the time. But if you were to really just back up and look at all the different projects that we've done and are in the process of doing, it would, it would definitely have to be uh, the Capricorn Melville Lodge project. And, and that's what we're fixing to get started on. Uh, and that's just because of the, the, how big the history uh, is uh, nationally. You know, a lot of the houses we do, I, I, don't, I don't really know the true history of maybe who the person was who lived there or what their history was, uh, but we do about the, the Melba Lodge and the, the, the Capricorn. So being able to bring that one back to life, it's a little bit of a challenge because you, you want to save the history in a way that uh, it's, it's exactly the way that people remember it. Uh, and not lose that, but at the same time, uh, make it uh, be a place that functions again. So, um, but every, every one of them's different. So they all, they all kind of become my favorite while I'm in the process of doing them. You bring up the notion of haunted houses and they're not, haunted doesn't necessarily mean malice. They all have this story and the Capricorn Melville Lodge project is on historic Cotton Avenue, now properly D.T. Walton Way. But such, every piece of that has such a bigger connection to our economic reality and that's very close to where Jerry's office is. Uh, can I guess what you, your favorite historic property is? Do you have to ask? <laughs> it would have to be the Ruth Hartley Mosley house and, and um, it's a house that was built in 1900 and Mrs. Mosley moved in that house in 1917 unbelievable like i say i'm gonna have to get back to a black woman living on spring street in 1917 and she lived there until she died in 1975 and uh so and and you know we that's basically all i can say it's my favorite house but one of the other interesting things about that house is that it represents a neighborhood that was there i mean we when we do the Cotton Avenue Festival, people mm -hmm. come and say, oh, yeah, I used to grow up. I grew up back here. There were other houses back it's here. Right. And so that house is unique in that it's... It's still it's, standing. It's still standing, and it, it represents that story and that legacy. But it also, um, it sort of serves as the kind of the... The, the catalyst for the Cotton Avenue Revival yeah. Festival, because like we say, that is the only house that's kind of still standing that represent a person that lived doing that time yeah. and uh, you know she was uh, she was the first black registered nurse in Georgia yeah. I mean 1910 is when she received her nursing degree in Chicago and, and another thing I didn't say Mrs. Mosley was actually born in Savannah 
she died in Savannah. She's buried in Macon because, you know, she, she had strong ties here. Her first husband, I would love for people to see the photographs of this woman from the early 20s. Her first husband died in 1931. He owned a saloon here in Macon. He was the president of a bank here in Macon. And, and so this was during 1917, you know, 1920s. That in itself is worthy to be praised. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's the crazy thing. I mean, you, you hear even just that story, and I'm <laughs> sure that story goes so much deeper mm-hmm. than even what you're getting in this podcast. Right. And it's the same thing with all the historic places when you really look at them. I mean, you know, when you get into the history uh, of Otis or you get into the history of Phil Walden, I mean, even in finding the stuff that I found in the, in the Capricorn where he was so involved in historic preservation, I mean, he, he was he was uh, he was an advocate for historic preservation, and you know, finding the buttons that were in there from the old historic making uh, or, or historical society back then that had like a, a guy with a top hat that says "Be uptown, move downtown," right. and and then to find out that a lot of the houses that I bought on Arlington Place that he had owned, you know, when when he was involved in historic preservation and and the old Lakeside where all that took place and just the history of of even why Lakeside closed and just I mean there's you can you can literally pick one thing and chase that rabbit as long as you want because the history is so deep and it is such an amazing history absolutely and Heather I imagine that we could probably also guess your favorite (laughs) historic building but but maybe you could surprise us of course our home is is my favorite (laughs) to say I'm emotionally attached would be a gross understatement um but one of my favorite buildings downtown is really a space on Cherry Street that Historic Macon redid several years ago. It currently houses Signature Salon. their owner-occupied lofts above it. And I had an opportunity to really watch that project from start to finish and go in with the group of people with flashlights literally trying to see what might be under there, what the shell looked like. And being able to see that transformation at a time when downtown was really hitting its stride and entering into this period of renaissance we've seen was so exciting being able to go in and and feel like that was such a neat cosmopolitan space when it was finished was a really exciting moment and i still smile every time i walk past that building yeah that and that was certainly a interesting uh project when we got into it setting a a new market life for for downtown to have owner-occupied condos and it, it's really a one-making story in that it ties sense of place to jobs and, and investment to provide equity in downtown in a more uh, equal way than we had before to have homeowners right there on Cherry Street, very walkable to the rookery, being literally <laughs> right across an alley. and it, Dangerously and, walkable. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and those projects led to so much more. And what I keep hearing through the stories that Brian and Jerry are telling us is that it's not just the structures it's Mm. it's the stories that they have to tell and the fact that Macon the reason it's here is because it's always been a place where human beings came together for commerce uh, for to establish society It, it it's had that history for for millennia and I think our built environment does it tells that but it's also to the story that that Heather pointed out is that these historic structures are becoming the the part of our rebirth, the renaissance of, of this community that you're seeing in downtown, that you're seeing in neighborhoods, that you're seeing in Bells Hill. 
is that what we're rallying around is the fact that these neighborhoods and these buildings and these stories are what brought us together. And can we speak, like, Brian, would you be doing this work if, if the historic properties weren't there? Do you think you would be a developer if it weren't for, for that fact? Oh, no. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's one of those things where it, I became very passionate after doing my first project, which really I was only doing because I owned the building. You know, at the time, it was not even because of the history of the building, because I didn't even understand the history of the building. Um, but once I got into it um, and began to do the revitalization of the warehouse loss um, and started having to learn the history because of tax credits and uh, trying to figure out how to make the project work, uh, I began to understand that every building has a history, you know, um, and then people became so interested in the history of the building that I was redoing that I started wanting to learn more about other buildings. And I mean, when you look around and the, the house on College Street that, you know, is, is named the house that Crisco built and, you know, just so many different places that you can drive by. And once you learn the history, when you drive by it, you know, you kind of go, man, that was amazing. I would have loved to have been here to experience um, the lifestyle that they had back then. And, uh, on Arlington Place, you know, we're doing so many houses over there. Now they have their own Facebook page, and it's a, you know, I mean, they they all hang out together. Even though uh, it's all rental uh, property that I have over there, there's 21 units that we've redone, uh, and so they they get together and have their own little you know get-togethers and parties, and it's created a uh, a place over there now that is turned back into a neighborhood, and you kind of feel like when you drive by and you see them all on the front porch, that that's what it was like back in those days you know when people used to hang out together on front porches and and just relax and talk about life and do life together you know so it's it, it is way more than just the building and that reminds me of a project that uh, heather spearheaded uh, when uh, she was before she was chair of the historic making board of uh, the young patrons level of historic making and that's such an interesting story too about how preservation became a uniting force for young people uh, tell us a little bit about that several years ago we got involved with historic making and sort of came to find that it was a uh, little bit more mature generation that was spearheading a lot of the preservation events and kind of buoying this activity that was happening in town that young people were interested but didn't necessarily know how to plug in or what it was all about and the young patrons program was a very dedicated effort to recruit those under 40 to get involved in this preservation dynamic here and what we found was there was a ton of interest we I think set a goal to maybe find 50 people in that age bracket to engage and I think ended up with probably more like 150 <laughs> at the time and it was really exciting to see that they wanted historic homes they wanted information on access they were interested in rolling up their sleeves and being boots on the ground to help with that and I think that was a really good tie-in to the spirit of young professionals being involved generally in Macon so getting them engaged in that aspect of it I think was a great program and has held strong today. And it's uh, amazing that that one rallying point, something that we all share, is the history of the place that can bring people together. And I think that that's something that uh, Jerry and the Ruth Hartley Mosley Center brought together when they started looking at the Cotton Avenue Revival Festival is how these structures and these these historic stories were a reason for all of us to come together. Uh, tell us a little bit about that project and how it's sig signifying this renaissance that we're having here. It's really, uh, I kind of call it a, 
it's our inclusive history because any town, you know, there's all kind of history and for people to really embrace and, and appreciate who you are, we, we want to make sure that all Macon's history is part of Macon's history. So and that's important. what we've done and, and I, I think we're doing a, a great job at that, you know. When you look at, um, it's kind of made up of the downtown historically black churches, the Ruth Hartley Mosley Center, and other entities. I grew up in Macon, and I left Macon for over 30 years, and I came back. I was just so excited to get back home, because. but it's not the Macon that I grew up in. It's totally different, and, I, and I've noticed that, and I thought it was my duty to embrace what is here and bring what I can bring to the table to make it what I want it to be. It's still not what I want it to be, but I'm stuck here now, so I got to make it what. Oh, you're not you're not stuck. We want you here. That's right. Yeah. So, well, you all are stuck with me then. That's right. And if you knows me. And that's it is that all of these stories um, it it comes back to the fact that we have something that a lot of other communities don't have and that's an organization like historic making foundation that ties it all together and ethiel uh, you've you've been at this for a little while tell us more in depth like what historic making does and how it unites all of these things because i don't think we're where we are today with this new vitality in downtown and in Macon in general without the leadership of Historic Macon. Absolutely. And, you know, Historic Macon is unique in a lot of ways, but probably the most unique um, aspect of the organization is our long legacy of strong leaders in the organization. Everything from volunteer leadership to our incredible executive directors that have um, preceded me And it's just, um, I think it's a testament to the community as a whole that our organization was actually formed out of a neighborhood association. The in-town neighborhood association saw the need to save these historic houses. And that, nearly 40 years ago, really has laid the groundwork for the, the renaissance that we're seeing downtown and then across these neighborhoods. And we have really, I tell people that when I got here four years ago, it was this fast moving train and you know, I had to hop on and try to keep it moving fast and put my foot on the gas pedal. And then someone told me one time that trains don't have gas pedals. So <laughs> then I said, well, then I had to learn how to drive the train first. So, um, I mean, we just, the organization has just been the beneficiaries of so much goodwill and so much incredible leadership and tenacity. Our board is the most aggressive and creative and entrepreneurial board that I've ever worked for or worked with. And I think that shows in the community, and I think that's really a, a, a testament of the one making way as well, is that idea of partnerships, um, entrepreneurship, and creativity, and working together, working with unique partners that maybe you haven't worked with in the past. Um, and I think Historic Macon has really, and you can see it in our new office downtown, as simple as us moving from the Sydney Lanier Cottage, which we still own, we love, we protect, but now we have a presence downtown. We're a part of that um, that revitalization. And we have a storefront. We are able to um, properly have meetings and show off this space and really demonstrate the work and the contributions that we're making to the community. So 
we are the envy of our peers across the country and Macon residents don't realize that and I think we forget about that but back in February when we hosted the revolving fund summit we had over a hundred people from across the country come to Macon just to learn about preservation and revolving funds and how we do it everything from our UDA to Newtown to historic Macon we are doing unique programs here that that we take for granted so yeah I'd, I'd like to I'd like to speak to historic uh, on historic Macon and how I got started even with the historic preservation part because it was a key part of me even getting into this and doing this long term I mean when I'll never forget when I first found out about the tax credit incentives for doing this um, I you know I called up to the to the state and to the federal and they started talking about the paperwork and uh, the wording and how it needed to be done and I thought man this is way over my head so I stopped by we, we call that job security <laughs> that's <for us>. exactly <laughs> right job security so I actually stopped by um, uh, historic Macon's office at the time which was up here um, by Washington Park and uh, that was the first time I'd ever met Josh didn't even know who Josh was and they didn't that's do it Josh Rogers, Josh Rogers now at Newtown that's right and I, I, you know, I didn't even know who he was or anything about this other stuff. And, and they didn't do it for other people at the time, you know, but he had an intern that he would really like to teach how to do historic tax credits. So um, he said he would take it on if I'd make a donation to, to historic making. And uh, the sad part for Josh was the intern started it and then was no longer an intern, had moved on. So <laughs> Josh had to finish the project, but that opened the door uh, for me to have a relationship with, with Josh and Historic Macon that went on for them to do, I don't know how many jobs for me now, um, and I, I don't know what I would have done without them and without their resources. And, of course, now with them having, you know, full-time staff there that, that does nothing but this, which has helped spur even more and more uh, people like me who have been able to just, you know, because when I get calls, I don't have to say, well, this is how you do it. I say, you just need to call Historic Macon. They've, they've got it all figured out for you. <laughs> and then with the uh, facade loans and, the, you know, the different things that they've offered that have made these jobs a reality, uh, because of that gap financing. So, I mean, it's, it, historic making has been a huge uh, part of, of people like me being able to do the work that we've done in downtown. And, and when, Josh, when Josh was leaving, I was a little nervous because, you know, he'd done such a great job there. And, of course, Ethel stepped in and, you know, took it to a whole other level. So, I mean, it's, uh, we are very blessed in making to have uh, not just historic making, but like he said, the leadership that we've had there. Absolutely. And I think that historic making is this great example of, how we get things done in Macon is that historic Macon is a meeting point for a lot of different groups and events and then it emanates out. I, I can't think of a single economic development strategy or idea that we've come up with in the last decade that hasn't started with the notion of preservation because to this community preservation is why we are this place not just a place. It's why people want to be here on uh, on a level that they that maybe they don't comprehend at first but it's because there's something unique about this place and without the efforts of the the great preservationists before us we wouldn't have that and i really do think to speak for the group and hopefully we can all agree on this that preservation is this great articulation of the commonwealth within a community of what we hold sacred and what we hold dear 
Uh, and I think that when you look at a Ruth Hartley Mosley Center, you look at an Orange Street, you look at um, you know, taking an old produce uh, warehouse and turning it into an office building, you, you look at all of these things that we do and the stories that we keep telling that it, it says something about us that nowhere else can say. Uh, and it talks about the connectivity that we all have. Uh, is there anything else that you really think that preservation in Macon particular communicates to the, to the rest of the world and, and what makes us unique in that way? Well, I mean, the, the number of properties that we have that are historic is, is huge. I mean, I, I think that uh, people don't realize that we have, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, more historic properties than even Savannah, you know, by number of properties. And, you know, people go to Savannah all the time to, to walk around the historic districts and to see the things. But uh, instead of Savannah leading the charge, uh, for historic preservation as far as rehabs. I mean, we've, we've outdone them for I don't know how many years now uh, with the number of rehabs that we've done, which really shows how, how fast we're moving and making. And it, it's, it's kind of a, a neat thing to see when you go to uh, uh, Washington when I received that award for historic preservation up there, and you're talking to the different senators and congressmen and different things about what's happening in Macon, Georgia, and they're just blown away. Uh, and then to meet with Saxby Chambliss and to, to be talking about what's going on here and then for him to show up after he retires and, and shoot a retirement video in my coffee shop, you know, um, because he, he remembered uh, what was going on in downtown Macon and just the different little things. I mean, it, it's, we're, we're not only leaders in the state, but I believe that in a lot of ways we're leading the nation uh, in a lot, of, a lot of things. And I don't think that uh, people in our community really understand how huge um, that is as far as the impact that we're making uh, nationally uh, right here in town. One thing I love is the way we're starting to tell our stories in more creative ways, whether it's the Cotton Avenue Festival, the music history scavenger hunt, the bike tours, looking at architecture. I love that it's starting to get out there, that when I attend these things, it's with families who maybe have not been downtown before, and now they're biking with their family on a Saturday morning and learning what happened in different spaces. I think we're starting to do a really good job of getting creative with sharing that and using this community as this living history map. One of the things that in preservation, there's always losses. Sometimes preservation organizations have to take an L and say, we're moving on and we're getting better because of it. Um, what are some ways that y'all perceive that we could do preservation better in Macon uh, when we're already leading the nation? But what are some things that you see and, and what are ways that you think we can overcome some things? Well, I touched on this in the very beginning, just talking about our organization working in more neighborhoods and we've dipped our toe in the water with a neighborhood leadership institute and so we've met and engaged and and really gotten to know more neighborhoods than we've ever had before and I think we are still learning about what we can bring to those neighborhoods that's helpful and beneficial but I, I think that's a really um, important place for us to be looking ahead towards or more neighborhoods and, and helping those neighborhoods not just historic neighborhoods, but uh, neighborhoods across the community. Right. The notion of taking preservation out of this model of people who just care about old buildings That's right. to yeah. a, a broader sense that it is that, that key to economic development. I think that's great. I think we can ensure inclusion of all making, just kind of make sure that we are, not that we're not doing it, but just to keep that at the forefront of who we are. 
it's, and that's very one making is that we're trying to mm-hmm. understand how it all of us play such a vital role in all of that and, and preservation is key to that too I think that's that's very well understood here Brian from your perspective what what are some things that you see that that we could really make make and sing with yeah you know it's it's, it's kind of funny because you when you said uh, since we're already leading the nation you know it is hard sometimes to think through okay how can we do it better when we're already doing it so well um, you know and, and it goes to even talking about other neighborhoods and different places I mean you know you could do a uh, 50 podcast on historic preservation in Macon, Georgia, because I mean, you know, we hadn't even talked about Mill Hill over here and all the stuff going on across the river and, you know, the stuff going up uh, uh, Ingleside area and Ridge. And, you know, so in, in, in talking about the things we're talking about being downtown, really the impact is, is way outside of downtown. You know, um, I think, like he said, we could include more areas, even that are historic. Uh, I would like to see, you know, Payne City and some of the other places um, uh, be included in a historic district uh, so that they could be incentivized for more stuff to happen in those areas that would bring back some of the history of of other parts of Macon. Um, And I know that those are things that will happen. You know, Um, it's, it's, it's not like they're not things that haven't been thought of. Are, are, are planned on but you know at the same time uh, we're always going to be moving forward in a way that um, is always going to be leading the nation as far as I'm concerned. I think Historic Macon does a great job of publicizing the different services they offer and things like this podcast. Preservation's definitely at the center of the conversation for leadership in Macon. I think what one of my wishes is is that just residents in Macon as a whole had a better understanding of just what a treasure trove we have and that it is accessible that you do have partnerships that can make owning a historic home a very real possibility or developing a historic building a very real possibility um, and just have a more sophisticated understanding of what's in place to incentivize them to do that i always joke if everyone understood tax credits we'd be clamoring you know and having bidding wars every day (laughs) over these eligible spaces so a greater understanding of that i think would help propel us even further and that's perfect because one of the things that we we try to do with bells hill and other places and it's something that we could do a better job of articulating is understanding that preservation is something for everyone it is it is an affordability and equity play in your community and that's something that one making is making clear is that this this type of work is for everyone we need to make sure that people know that preservation is for everyone in your community the reason you preserve something is because it's who you are as a community and for an from an economic development perspective it helps keep your community affordable it's not just for the uh, the elite it's for everyone because everyone built this community together yeah i mean you could do a whole podcast on just why you know uh saving downtown is important from the economic standpoint i mean that could be a whole nother route um because it, there there's so many benefits not just the history part of what we're saving these buildings for but even as, as a, a community as a whole you know um like we talk about all the time the infrastructure is already here you know the different the different things that make this make sense the walkability this the sustainability i mean is there's just so many things you could touch on but you know i guess also one of the things that i think that uh, not the historic making could do better or any one of us necessarily in this room but uh, that that i would like to see happen more is uh, helping people understand what the history of a place is you know and that's and that is so difficult because 
you know you can have events you can have different things but of course people don't come <laughs> they're still not they're still not knowing uh, but I'd, I'd love for there to be some type of way for uh, individuals to find out what the history are of certain buildings and, and things of that nature. Um, and Historic Macon's done a great job with bike tours and walking tours and, and different things. And, and every time I go, no matter how much I know, I learn something else. And I think that's where we'll, we'll leave it for today. Thank you all so much for this. And I hope everyone can tell that preservation isn't just this monolithic thing of oh we're saving properties it's it's really preserving the soul of a community and it's it's not just the past it's the economic reality today and the more prosperous future that we can have it's where soul is uh, it, absolutely <laughs> so thank you all for this great conversation thank you